0: Wow. I'm telling you, it's hard to follow that. Wow. All right, well, we'll see if we can follow that cuteness. But um, if you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew, please, if you would. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Fantastic song by the kiddos, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at a traditional text as we look at this uh, advent of love today. Um, We looked last week, as you're turning to Matthew, I want to share the verse with you that we closed, uh, looking at hope. Paul said in Romans 15, that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We closed with that last week. It's going to come back again full circle today, but Paul powerfully wants the church to know us to know, and the church in Rome to know that hope is found in the Lord, to be filled, and it pushes everything to the margin. There's no room for everything else. We talked about all the anxiety and the things of the world, all that thing's going to come. But when true hope comes, it fills us and it pushes all that out. It only happens when we're filled by the Holy Spirit and as we trust in Him. So that'll come back today. Uh, but let's talk about love. Um, love, uh, as we get into to week two, is the focus of, of today's uh, text. Um, it is very subjective for so many. Uh, You can think about how many movies and songs uh, you've done. I usually take a shot at Hallmark, not going to do that this year, not going to do it, not going to throw it out there, Uh, about all the love stories and things like that. But I I read a quick statistic that talked at almost, it was said 67, almost 70% of every song ever written was about love. Love lost, love desired, love enjoyed, or love gone astray or something. And so we think about this, and the world's got their version of love, but we're going to talk about this, about the, the bottom line of today's text, the motivating factor of Christmas, of why God chose to take on flesh and come into this place called earth was to save us because he loves you and because he is love. So we're going to look at a traditional text. If you'll stand, we're going to read it, and then we're going to go through quite a bit today, but I'm excited about what God has for us. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 18 and go to 24. That'll be kind of home base for us, and then we'll be in different places, but you can hold your spot. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. <clears throat> Matthew writes This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and she will give birth to a son. and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Let's pray together. Just real quickly, before we get into the text, and before we get into the message, just uh, I know I did it earlier, but just in your own heart, um, just pray. If your desire is to, to be changed by what he has for us, by his spirit moving, I say it every week, I can't change you, you can't change me. Uh, his presence, his spirit, his word can do that. If you had a busy, crazy week, maybe life's going a little, maybe great, I don't know. Would you just ask him to change and shape your heart today if that's what you desire? God, you've heard your people, and we are very grateful to be in this place. By choice, we have positioned ourselves in in this room today so that we might worship you in song, worship you in fellowship, worship you through the word. We ask that you meet us in this place. We thank you for the kiddos and their song. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the scripture. We thank you for all that we've done today as we celebrate your love for us, as we look to you, the true, true meaning of love. Help us to not just know the story. Help us to truly see what this is all about. Of Not just how much you've loved us, but what you ask of us to truly love those around us. We ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, a, a lot of things here, we're going to stay in Matthew, are, are kind of home base, but there's a lot that's going on in this text. Uh, there, there's, a, there's other traditional texts, but I chose this one on purpose um, because it's concise and it kind of gets to where I want to get today. But um, Mary, it, it, obviously, she gets pregnant, and there's a lot in this text, but Joseph was pledged to be married to her, and before they do get married, she gets pregnant, and it ain't Joseph's, okay? So we have to understand the text of what's taking place here, uh, and, and, and good luck explaining that one. They're going to get married. She, they, they've not been together. And then next she gets pregnant. And there's Joseph, you got some explaining to do, okay? We got, some, we got to do some talking here. So, so in verse 18 reminds us that she was pregnant, but scripture tells us, just as prophesied, she would be conceived, excuse me, she would be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph had to truly believe this in this angel. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But she was pregnant by the Spirit. But it took faith and it took courage to believe as Joseph did, as the angel appeared to him. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that, and I, and I don't want to moralize this. We'll talk about this later. It's tempting just to talk about how Joseph had faith and things like that, but that's not the primary theme here. In verse 20, we see an angel that shows up and tells Joseph, calm down, don't be afraid. Now, I thought about this, and we talked, my wife and I, we work with sixth graders on Wednesday, and we, we, we did the Luke chapter 2 text, and in the same thing with the shepherds. The angels show up, and what's the first thing they tell them? Hey, don't be afraid. I looked it up this morning to make sure. Do you know what the, one of the first things that the angels told the Marys in the empty tomb was? Hey, don't be afraid. Over and over, you see these angels, when they make their appearance, the first thing out of their mouths is, it's okay, calm down. Don't. And there's a reason for that. It's not because they just do it out of routine. They do it because it, there is something about, as we talked about, there's something about the angels and as they show up, not just flashings of light or whatever that looks like. We don't really even know. The authority, the presence of the angels appearing, something about them caused people to shudder, to be afraid, and to be scared. So the first inkling in the the intuition of the angels is to say, calm down. It's going to be okay. Don't be scared. The baby she's having isn't someone else's. God did this. Now, in that world, imagine it's the same thing if it happened today. Imagine in, in, this, in this time period, telling those around them, my wife's pregnant, it's not mine, it's from the Lord. You're weird. You've lost your mind, Joseph. What's going on with you? Think of this story. We think of this that, 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 that they... Actually, calm down. You're going to give him, look at verse 21. She's going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save people from their sins. Jesus in the Greek means Joshua, Yeshua, meaning the Lord saved. So right from literal conception and naming, the desire and hope of the Messiah to come that they've been waiting for was not to be a conquering king that was going to deliver them from Rome or tyranny that was going to come up and set some earthly kingdom. No, it's going to come in the form of a baby. Now, I want to take it just a moment before we move on, is to talk about, we talk about the what so often, about what happened, what happened, but why? This motivating reason, this advent of love, as God made a decision to come to earth to rescue and redeem what he has created was perfect but was broken by sin. He chose to do it. He chose to do it out of love. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just as prophesied, just as told, and this is what Matthew's talking about. Look at verse 23. Matthew masterfully shows us, by quoting the prophecy that comes from Isaiah, we're going to talk about this at length in just a minute, but look at verse 23. You notice the quotes. He says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they're going to call him Emmanuel." which means God with us. Such a loaded statement. Can we just not look past, hey, the virgin will conceive. Okay? (laughs) You're going to give him a name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And and what Matthew does is quote Isaiah. It's on the screen for you in in some historical context. So often we just want to pull that one verse out, but I want you to see the meat of all this that's taking place. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. God is speaking, and again, the Lord said to, to King Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign. Whether deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you now try the patience of my God also? Verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That is what Matthew is quoting, just as prophesied. See, the prophet Isaiah made this prophecy during the reign of Judah's most wicked, idolatrous king named Ahaz. He faced a major military threat from the Israelite kings, What's interesting? Instead of seeking the Lord's help in this crisis, Ahaz turned to another ruler, this brutal Assyrians, and Ahaz even tried to pay them for assistance and offering help. So Isaiah speaks this to Ahaz to tell him that God would indeed deliver the people. Now this is more than you probably care to know, but it's I think it's fascinating. So Isaiah spoke this remarkable prophecy in verse fourteen, which he told Ahaz that nobody, no one's going to destroy the people of God or the royal line of David. And sure enough. I'll spare all the names of all the rulers, but sure enough, the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed, deported in population, but overran in Judah four times. But God ultimately preserves his people just as he promised. So Isaiah spoke this sign that God would deliver, a king would come. He's not a military king, but he would come in the flesh. He would come as a baby. He would come as a humble servant, and he would indeed come. Advent, he came. That's what Advent means. We talked about it last week. The first arrival, the first coming, he has come, just as prophesied, and he's going to come again. And though not an earthly king, true Messiah, this true baby that was born in this fashion that we just read about, that God's going to intervene, he's going to come to earth, and we know the story. We said it in the the Advent reading. There's a reason why we we read that specific text. God comes so that we can be rescued. Out of love, he came to rescue you from sin, and he came to rescue us from death. So this promised baby would come as, as just prophesied, born of a virgin, and deliver all of mankind. John chapter 1 said this: the word became flesh and he makes his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came, here it comes, from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and makes his dwelling. I say this often when even talking with kids about it, that God steps out of heaven, that God takes on flesh. He left all of glory and comes to this earth to take on flesh so that he could die for the sins of man. In love, that God steps in. And over and over this weekend as I was looking at this, and it's easy when you get back to this traditional text, but the motivating factor of why. We know what he did. We'll sing songs about it, but why did he do it? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not die, shall not perish. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. God acted in love. People will do a lot of crazy things in the name of love, right? This morning, I went with Linescope to go feed uh, a bunch of people that really love hunting birds. They love it so much that they're going to go out in the cold and the dark, and they're going to get up really early, and they're going to go hunting, hunting birds. I don't love birds that much. People will do a lot of things, but, but I, there's other things I like to do. I, like to go, I love to go snow skiing. I love to get up in the dark and drive and go up the mountain. And people, Some people think, I ain't going to get up early go out in the cold. People do a lot of things in the name of love. A lot of crazy songs have been written about those. A lot of movies have been about those. But here's the thing. God did something amazing out of love for you and I. that we can yawn at that, and we can think, well, I know that story, but we truly embrace that. God came to save and rescue us. But the tendency sometimes, if we're not careful, and and I have an amazing quote for you, because sometimes we want to moralize the Christmas story. The temptation is this. The temptation sometimes is to say, well, what can we learn from me? Let's talk about Joseph's faith. What did he do? He had to have a lot of faith to believe in that. But we can't reduce that. There's a great quote by Tim Keller from a book called Hidden Christmas that says this. He says, the biblical Christmas texts are accounts of what actually happened in history. They're not inspiring examples of how we're supposed to live well. Many people believe the gospel to be just another amazing, moralizing story, but they could not be more, mistake, more mistaken, excuse me, there is no, quote, moral of the story, in quote, to the nativity. The shepherds, the parents of Jesus, the wise men are not being held up primarily as examples for us. These gospel narratives are telling you not what you should do, but what God has done. The birth of of the Son of God into the world is a gospel. It is good news. It is an announcement. You don't save yourself. God has come to save you. And I love that. Kind of hate it too because it challenges me. Christmas isn't about me. This love story of God, it's not about me. And isn't it so tempting sometimes? We want to place other things in the center. But it's about God's rescue mission. Love incarnate in Christ has come. God has come to rescue us. But this love... This love of God that he's given us is not something that is simply supposed to terminate on us. You heard in the text, 1st I'm going to read it to you right now. 1 John, one of the, I forgot which one read it, but it was amazing because I did that on purpose because sometimes we want to celebrate love, we want to clap our hands. God loves us, God loves us, God came for us. But here's the thing as followers of Jesus, it is not enough to celebrate the love of Jesus. As followers of him, it is about a, a conduit for us to embrace the love, but to, to, to really release that love into the world. In this broke, darkened world, we talk about being a light of love to the community that we live in, a light to people around us, to love people. Part of the prayer was that we would love people and that we would extend love to, to to the marginalized, to the hurt, to those that are difficult, to those that we have issues with, all these kind of things. John tells us this. Dear friends, Let us love one another. Why? Because listen to the incarnation. It's in there as well. Love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live. This love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and here it comes again. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I talked about this back in our relationship series about, uh, you know, a while back, about how easy it is for us to just embrace this love of God. But that's not what it's about. We're supposed to love, dare I say, the unlovable, the difficult, that God sent and showed and demonstrated. We talk about all kinds of things in movies and songs about people do crazy, very perplexing things in the name of love. But what God has done, and if you want to boil all this down for why did God come when your babies look at you and say, we understand the what of the story, but why would he do it? What tell kids when I tell them the gospel about coming to Christ, that he must think you're pretty special. Now, you're not the center of the story. He is the center of the story, but he must think you're worth something because he came on a rescue mission for you and I. And we celebrate that love. We celebrate that He has come and He will come again. I was reading a, a, an article with this. I'm going to kind of wrap things up with a couple of points here. With uh, I, I was reading an article about the, the lyrics of the song Joy to the World. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I read some of the hymns and some of the older songs, and sometimes I think, well, I don't really understand what that's talking about. <laughs> I want to give you a couple of things. There's two lines of a song, and there's two points that I think tie this together. Uh, I, I was kind of challenged by it, so I hope you were. The, the song Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts in 1719. And one of the first lyrics, I have it on the screen for you, if you can see it on there, is this, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, in heaven and nature sing." Now, that, that part is, is basically, Isaac Watt basically paraphrased Psalm 98. But I love this. And here's point number one. If you're thinking, David, that's great. Advent, love, he came. What are we supposed to do? Give me something concrete. I need something tangible. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to challenge you with this. Number one, just like Isaac Watt said, let every heart prepare him room. That's challenge number one. Would you somehow, how are you preparing room in your heart for the king? because here's what's going to happen. I don't want you, but my, my afternoon's busy. We're coming back up tonight. We got church. We got stuff going on this week. We got this. We got this. I said last week that if we're not careful, the Christmas spirit and everything about it is going to get just, just another thing we're doing. We're going to squeeze all of this in, but I'm asking you this morning, I'm going to ask you in light of God's love, in light of all that he's done, might you and how would you prepare room in your heart to truly celebrate, and to truly know And to be specific, because it's not going to magically happen. I even put here, like, it's not just going to magically happen where it just happens. Last week, I talked about fighting for mornings like this. Can I be honest with you? Fight for it. Fight for time to get your Bible out and read it. Fight for prayer times that that the enemy is going to try to squeeze it out in all the good things and all the things of Christmas. Nothing bad, maybe, I don't know. But the enemy doesn't want you to have these things. The enemy doesn't want us to truly celebrate and embrace what all of this is about. Let's just get busy. Busyness will squeeze out everything if we're not careful. So how are you going to do that? As we pray in a minute, does that mean you're going to say, I've got to say notice some things. I've got to fight for this. I've got to get up early. I've got to stay up late so I can read. I've got to do this. I've got to fight for Sunday. Something's not going to squeeze that out. I'm going to put myself in a place to receive and to embrace and truly grasp and celebrate during this Advent season. That's number one. Number two from the, the second line of the song is this one. Says he rules the rules. Sorry, he rule, rules the world. I can't speak, with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I'm not gonna sing it to you, but you know how it goes. He rules the world with truth and grace, and then there's a pause. The article that I read was talking about how sometimes in that pause we miss the rest of that song. But here's what was I was challenged by. I was telling. The staff this morning about that. He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes his, the nations prove big breath, the glories of His righteousness and the wonder of His love. I kept reading that over and it's talking about that God empowers His people to prove, to show, to demonstrate His wondrous love to the world. I have lost that in that song so many times. I'm catching my breath trying to get ready for the next line. And the wonders of His love And I was convicted by the same thing. So number two is, how does our life, how does my life prove or show God's love to people? So number one, prepare room in our hearts. Number two, that we might have a life that proves, that is evidence, that points to Jesus in this holiday season. The way that we love, the way that we live, the way that we treat people, the way that we respond, the way that we prioritize, the way that we do life. May others in our family, in our town, in our church, see that we would prove the glories of His righteousness and the true wonders of His love. I think this is available one way, and I'm going to close with this. In the same verse that I closed with last week. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, all peace, as you trust him. We trust him. We trust him. We know that he is who he says he is. We know that he came to do what he said he came to do, so that our lives would overflow with this hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way we are ever going to accomplish anything of this, when well, we pray in just a minute, and I ask you to specifically pray, how do I prepare room in my heart? How am I going to do it? How do I fight for this? How do I fight to truly not miss what the wonder, this wonderful story of Christmas is all about? It's only if we trust him, and if we believe it. And number two, it's by His Spirit. We're not going to just, it's not just going to happen. we got to ask the Spirit of God to dwell in us and to move in us and to help us prioritize all this stuff. And like all this, we live out this gospel message of love to the world that needs it so desperately. I'm going to ask you to bow where you're at for just a second. Those two things I gave you all ago. Love comes down from heaven. Love was here. Love is the motivating factor of why God came, to rescue, redeem. It is not designed to terminate on us. This season, this afternoon, this day, this week, this December, how are you going to do that? How are you going to fight to prioritize and make room in your heart for the true wonders of his love? And I want you to put your life against what we said at the end about does my life prove, demonstrate the wonders of his love? So the invitation is pretty simple that we would prepare room in our hearts, that we'd ask the Lord to help us prove his wonders, love to the world. And whatever he's asking of you, just to be obedient and respond to that. You pray. If you would please stand as I pray. Father, I love how you do good things. And I love how on days like today, um, this invitation song was even planned before I knew I was going to close that way. A song that talks about trusting you, a song that indeed also talks about proving you o'er and o'er. May our lives truly do that. God, in this season where there are people around us in this world, their hearts are a little bit more receptive to you. A heart that are a little bit more open to this story of Jesus. May those of us who call you our Lord and Savior and claim to follow you, may we truly, truly point others to you. Challenge us, shape us, mold us, whatever you see fit, Lord. We ask this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this song together.